Oh, I want to thank you all for tuning in to the 342nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, IR Radio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Special shout out to everybody who's listening via Elevation Sports in Denver, being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always. Recording this right now at 11. 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Going to have Kenny Simmons, scouting expert for 247 Sports, to break down everything that went down for Week 5 of NFL action. Me and Kenny are doing this as the Bills and the Chiefs are uh, in the locker room uh, as, been, as there have been uh, lightning and rain delays. So we're not going to talk about that game in full. And obviously when you're listening to this, whatever part during this week you're listening to this, just want to make that clear so everybody knows. Uh, but with that being said, we'll talk about the game up till halftime, up till halftime, and we'll talk about all the, all the other games that uh, went down uh, for Sunday and you know today, right? So we'll get to all of that. But before we get to that, I want to say this, first time listener, subscribe and follow right now. Also, Share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Follow me on Twitter at NightTrain underscore Lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Daryl Lane. I post three to five minute clips uh, of my show right there. Also, I have a syndicate show outside the shop that you guys should check out as well. Give gambling picks on there if you guys want to make some money. I was two and one on my guarantees. The only one uh, of my guarantees that I missed on was the Patriots versus the Texans. And who would have thought Davis Mills would have had a career day against Bill Belichick? Nobody. So really, it could be three and zero. So check it out if you want to get rich quick, right? And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, then give me a great review and five stars for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the podcast, then don't say anything because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And kind of next up the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get to Kenny Sun. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Kenny Sim with a scouting expert for 247 Sports to break down and recap everything that went down for Week 5 of NFL action. Kenny, how you doing, my guy? Good, man. Week 5, here's another jam-packed action of NFL football day on Sunday. Started at 9.30 today, and it's still going right now. Yeah, and as we're recording, uh, it's 11.23 p.m. Eastern Time. The Bills are playing the Chiefs. Uh, We decided to go ahead and do the podcast anyway, just because when the game was going to be over, it was going to be like one. So we were like, you know, probably not the best idea in the world. So we'll just kind of give a little bit of a synopsis. I just want to know what your thoughts are so far of just that halftime. But I, 
you take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, I, I, I think they're feeling some effects of a Super Bowl hangover. Um, their, their defense is having a lot of trouble getting off the field consistently in the first, you know, four and a half, five weeks of this season. And it started off the Bills, put up 300 yards in the first half, 24 points. But, you know, the Chiefs are putting a lot of stress on Patrick Mahomes to get in these shootouts every week. When you get in shootouts with good offenses, like the Buffalo Bills, you know, a lot of times those games come down to 50-50 propositions. Yeah, and, and I do also want to say this. Uh, at half, 24-10, to 10, uh, beating Kansas City by double digits, which I do think is, is highly impressive. Josh Allen had thrown for over 200 yards at that point in the game. If the Bills end up winning this, and they end up winning this game by double digits, I'm of the belief, Kenny, that they should be number one on any power ranking. Like, if there's any site, any TV show that does not, and I get the Cardinals are undefeated, and we'll talk about the Cardinals later, but if they beat the Chiefs by more than 10 points in Arrowhead, to me, that vaults them to the top of any power rankings. Am I crazy for saying that? No, I, thought I, I think they're the number one team right now in the NFL. Uh, they're 3-1. and one. They're 3-1 and one against the spread. You know, obviously, that week one game, if you watched, Steelers' Bills kind of gone in different directions. And I look at this, too, with the Buffalo Bills. They got the number one defense, giving up 216 yards only per game. Number one is DVOA. And they're also the number one team in point differential. They're outscoring opponents in the first four games. They're a plus 90. The Cardinals are second at a plus 55. So they're by far the highest point differential team. That usually translates for a very good predictor of wins as well. I think they're the best team right now in football. So let's go from that game and let's go to the Browns. So, Kenny... Where do we start? Uh, not the, I, I'm sure not the most exciting game. I mean, a very exciting, right? Over 40 points scored in the game, but uh, a lot of mishaps, a lot of things I'm sure you didn't like. I mean, 26, let, let's start with this. The 26 to 15 uh, fourth quarter, uh, the Chargers outscored the Browns 26 to 15 in the fourth quarter. Your thoughts just on that alone?
you know, the team that was kind of going to have the ball last was going to win, and the Chargers had a chance to run up the clock, and, you know, I thought the Browns smartly let them score to get another offensive opportunity at the end, but, you know, I think this was, you know, this was NFL football, modern football at its finest, you know, 47-42, teams going for on fourth down, throwing the ball around the yard, and, you know, unfortunately, one of these teams had to lose, but I think... You know, you could see Cleveland and Los Angeles meet again in the playoff at some point. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you when you say all of that. So a lot of people talked about this. Stavansky, uh, they decided to run it on a third and ten late in the fourth quarter. The Chargers end up getting the ball back. And Stavansky was criticized a lot for that. What do you think about that? You know, a lot was made of Baker Mayfield's, uh, he had like a shoulder injury or a labrum, something with his labrum, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, he has a torn labrum in his left shoulder. Um, you know, I was looking at the great website, former NFL doctor, team physician, Dr. David Chow, pro football doc. He diagnosed it on September 19th in the Texans game, and I brought it on the air that night that he has a torn labrum in his shoulder. I don't know if he did worse than that, but he's going to need to play through the pain throughout the year. He's wearing a harness currently, and that's something that if it's your non-throwing shoulder, you could play through and try to, you know, get it, you know, 80%, 85%, but it's not going to heal, though, this year. Happened last year with Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, and he threw early at the pro day, and then he got surgery. But he does have a torn labrum in his left shoulder. Yeah, and it obviously had no bearing on his passing because he uh, 
Bay Baker threw the ball very well. And I think maybe some people were kind of like after the Vikings game, like, what's up with Baker? Baker's fine, right? Like, there's no issues with Baker. Yes. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, yeah, we we'll have to monitor it. You know, he, he he was really errant in Minnesota, and today he was on. So I don't know if he got like a painkiller in there before the game or whatnot. But um, you know, the first two games of the year, he was like eighty percent, eight percent of his throws were off target. That was number two in the NFL. In the last two weeks, he threw the most off target passes in the NFL. So I think it needs to be monitored, though. But uh, the performance—it uh, it didn't affect the day, though. So what I think is really interesting is this, right? Uh, the Browns' defense—a uh, lot has been talked about it, right? Uh, Jeremiah Wusa Koromoa from Notre Dame, a guy that we both liked. Miles Garrett—they have a lot of talent, uh, particularly on that front seven. Were you disappointed how the Chargers were able to go down the field against the Browns? Oh, yeah, I mean, 47 points, 26 points in the fourth quarter. Just if they got off the field one of those times, they'd probably win the game. Um, there was even a couple of fourth down plays. They had won uh, the Chargers. The Chargers were down 14 in the third quarter, and the Chargers went for it on their own 25, and they got it. That could have turn into a three-possession game, but they got to get off the field at some point. Someone had to make a play. I know they had a massive body count added up in the back end of their secondary today, but it, you know they had ample opportunities to get off the field, including a lot of fourth downs, too, as well. So that was disappointing. But, I mean, if you give up 26 points in the fourth quarter, it's going to be really hard to win like that. And I understand there's going to be some close games, you know, between two really good teams going up and down the field. And, yeah, it might be in the 30s. But to give up 47 points and 26 in the fourth, that's just, you know, they're, they're not only yet. So this was on Twitter, and I, and I want to get your take on this. So this is what a Angry Browns fan tweeted. In a game where we threw for 305 yards and scored 42 points, Odell Beckham was targeted three times. What the F? And then he goes on to say is, how does Odell not get one target down the stretch? What's he here for? To block downfield. Is Angry Browns fan on Twitter wrong or is he right, Kenny? I think it's a mixture of both. You know, Odell Beckham is And then drops that he's had. And I don't think those 
times when he was at the Giants, I think those days are kind of over with. So, you know, he's going to have to be able to stretch the field. I do think they need a deep threat. And, you know, I think it's got to be Odell. But it's a combination of working through the offense, not isolating on him. And then when the ball's going your way, you got to be able to convert. How special is Justin Herbert? As he's a good football player. You know, he's a good football player. He's, he's got a big arm. Uh, pretty much makes good decisions. Good thrower on the run. And he's, you know, he's one of the, he's, he's one of the premier young quarterbacks in the NFL. How much of a threat are the Chargers? Like, they went into KC. They, they already beat the Chiefs. Uh, their only loss was to the Cowboys, and we've seen the Cowboys are pretty damn good, right? They, they they beat a good Browns team, right? Like, how real are the Chargers? Oh, 100, 100% real, 100% real. I had them coming into the day as the fifth best team in the NFL, but they're, they're up there with the Chiefs, the Bills, Browns, Chargers, Ravens. I would give them an edge in that five-person group. I don't know, I mean... Those are kind of the top five teams, but I think the Chargers kind of have elevated themselves into, you know, the top one or two, three maybe at the worst, but they're they're right up there as a tough threat in the AFC. The one reason why I kind of like them in the playoffs a little bit more than a Kansas City is they have a defense that's an excellent, modern NFL scheme that could slow down an offense, you can slow down an elite offense. Uh, they were able to do it against Dallas, against Kansas City, not today against Cleveland, but I would trust their defense more than Kansas City in the playoffs, and more or less throughout the first five games, they've had a similar type of offense to those other top teams too. But I think Brandon Staley has inserted an aggressive mindset, a smart mindset, and the Chargers have always had the personnel. The personnel has never been the issue with the Chargers, but I, I really like Brandon Staley a lot, and the Chargers are on a good track, and I could easily see them in an AFC championship this year. I concur with you there. So let's go to this. Uh Arizona, the Cardinals, uh, the only undefeated team in the NFL, stays undefeated. Uh, and they won a game that, you know, maybe last year they wouldn't have won with Kyler and Cliff. A, a tough, a gritty uh, 17-10 game that was ugly. Do you think this is, how good of a sign do you think this is in the evolution of the Cardinals, that they can win a game where, you know, it's not just fast break basketball and they can really grind one out?
NFC West teams playing each other, and they were able to get a win at home in the division to San Francisco. Now they got to go on the road and win at San Francisco later in the year, but they already ensured themselves at least a split with San Francisco and at least a split with the Rams. So I think this is very encouraging signs. And now when you're five and zero, oh, you know I don't know the stats, but I know if you were four and one, you have like a seventy-eight percent chance to make the playoff. The Chargers are really looking good right now to be a playoff team in some capacity. Are they the best team in the NFC right now? Yeah, I've been very impressed, and I think the receiving core, the receiving core is pretty underrated. Rondell Moore, who I, I love. Uh, A.J. Green still there. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Christian Kirk, uh, Edmonds out the backfield, and it all revolves around Kyler and, and what they do. And, you know, their defense, their defense is twitchy. They had a bunch of quick, athletic guys. I like that. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, not really big. It's, it's, it's all in the middle, too. It's Buda Baker. Jordan Hicks is a really good football player. Going back to his days in Philadelphia, and Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, and then they got that front. But but they do have a lot of really athletic guys, kind of in the back seven level, but all in that middle of the field. Yeah, they got, and it's kind of it's very modern what they've done. Like you know, it's like Isaiah Simmons. What position is he going to play? It doesn't matter. Just put the really big, athletic, long guy just on the field, and they're going to make plays. That that's kind of what they do, uh, and I think it does cause a lot of issues because there's a lot of there's a lot of speed and athleticism you have to account for when you play them. So, Cliff, do you think people have been too hard on Cliff? Because it seems like through it all, he's kind of building something now. Yeah, year two. He's a year and a half. No, year three. I think it's year three. Three, yeah, yeah, because he got in 2019. He's with Kyler. Yeah. So he's in 2019, he started, and this is year three. You know, I really think, especially when you have like a first, uh, when you have a number one pick at quarterback, year three, you know, you should make the playoffs. So, you know, kind of Kyler broke down at the end of last year, but this, this is a good start for Arizona. And we'll see if he can keep it off. I thought he did better today than Kyle Shanahan did. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that. I want to go to this. Kyle Shanahan. I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he's one of the best coaches in this league. Kyle Shanahan gets an F for this performance. There was a couple things. Uh, the, the fact that there was one play in the first quarter where it's a fourth, fourth and goal. He decides to roll out a, a rollout run with... Trey Lance, and I'm just like, take the field goal. That is Kyle Shanahan's ego saying, I have this cool shiny toy and Trey Lance, let me show him off. Take the field goal. I, I don't know what Shanahan was doing there. Again, the concerns that I have with Trey Lance, they have come home to roost. If I am Jimmy Garoppolo, Kenny, I I'm just laughing. I'm like, you thought that guy was going to take my spot? <laughs> like, I'm serious. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think Jimmy G should feel threatened at all. And I don't know if Alex Smith ever ever felt threatened by Patrick Mahomes, but I don't think Trey Lance is Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's what's going on here. Uh, and the 49ers have the best talent out of any of the rookie quarterbacks. And I'll tell you, Trey Lance, Trey Lance did not look very good. He was uh, 
uh, missing reads on blitzes uh, when uh, backers or uh, linebackers are coming free, uh, missing throws. Uh, there were a couple times where his receivers dropped it and he threw it on the money. I will say that, and I'll give him some credit with that. But there there were too many plays where he's throwing way too high, way too low, uh, and he's making life difficult for those receivers. He's holding on to the ball too long. He has that long, a gated uh, mo- throwing motion, which leads to tip balls. And, you know, he threw a pick, and it just... It's just not what they need out of the quarterback position. And lastly, I do want to say this before I get your opinion on this. He rushed it like, uh, they call like 16 run plays with Trey, right? And I understand that people are cool, Kenny, with the, uh, you know, the athletic quarterback, right? We get caught up in that. But this game has been and always, always will be played from the pocket. And when people are sitting up there and they're saying, I want a running quarterback. Now, here's what I want to say. There is only one quarterback in this league, Kenny, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, that you should that you should be okay with running it 15-plus times and say, this is our game plan. That is Lamar Jackson. And we, can degree, and we can agree to disagree on what type of success Lamar has had, but Lamar is one of the freakiest humans to ever play the quarterback position. There are tons of athletic quarterbacks. Kyler Murray is not running it 15 times a game every week. That is not happening. Uh, th- that's not happening. That didn't happen with Cam Newton. That, that's not happening with Josh Allen. That's not happening with Patrick Mahomes. Holmes, any of these quarterbacks, for them to think that, oh, just because Lamar and Baltimore, they do this special run game, that we're going to do that. Trey Lance is not Lamar Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. Cannot agree more with that point. At the end of the day, you got to be able to make passes in the pocket. And, you know, 16 carries is a lot of carries for Trey Lance. But like you pointed out, Trey Lance and Lamar Jackson have two different styles of running the ball. Lamar Jackson could take it at any point on the field and he could take it 75 yards for a touchdown. That's not Trey Lance. He's a bigger he's a bigger quarterback running it, more of a plotter. Uh, but he, uh, he started off struggling, though, in the pocket. And, you know, I think they have, the 49ers have a bye coming up. I don't know if it's up this week or next week but they're going to need to make a decision on what they want to do at least this year with the quarterback situation because if they if they're healthy and they have Jimmy Garoppolo he's superior as a passer they can make a run in the playoffs with him if you go to Trey Lance this is just a solid team that has a rookie quarterback with some deficiencies throwing the ball their defense is not top five like it was in 2019. They came into the day, I think, 22nd, starting to kind of look like the Bears. And I know the Bears don't have playoff expectations. So do you use a year on Trey Lance? Uh, or do you kind of make a run with it with Jimmy Garoppolo? Because I think this is going to be the last year of Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. When you have a quarterback at number three, you're eventually going to want him to get on the field and have him start. But you make it this early this year and maybe take your lumps and, and, and just see some progress along the way with Trey Lance? Or do you give it back to Jimmy Garoppolo? I think they ultimately give it back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but that's, that's going to be a fascinating topic to see. I mean, the 49ers have, what, like an 80% winning percentage with Jimmy Garoppolo? And I'm not the biggest Jimmy Garoppolo fan, so you know, don't get me confused on that. But... Trey Lance and I don't know. I mean, you were I don't you weren't super high on on Trey in the draft process. I wasn't. 
I think we both had him as like a you know second round grade. I, I'm just I, I'm just at a loss. Like Kyle Shanahan on a third and seven, he calls a quarterback draw. What does that tell you about your quarterback? Who is running a quarter? Like I I'm just. I don't know if, like, Trey Lance is just, that's what he thinks of him as a passer, if he really believes he's Lamar, because, like, what, what what Lamar is, like, people need to get that out of their heads. Like, Lamar is, like, one of one. Like, nobody else should be doing what Lamar is doing. Lamar is one of the freakiest dudes to ever play. Like, Trey Lance is not that. They're not gonna, they're not gonna uh, revolutionize the run game with Trey Lance. That, that That is not happening. And if this is what Trey Lance has to offer as a passer, then I don't know. Because I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is some special passer. And to me, Jimmy Garoppolo's world's better than Trey Lance right now. So I don't know what that means for Trey. And, and guys like Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are in awful situations. And I just don't, I don't know. I, I just. Yeah, especially trying to, you know, I didn't like they kind of took points off the board a lot today. They, they had those four, four times they did not convert on fourth down. Two of those involved Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball, especially that one of the goals that you pointed out. But also, this is very, very, very early. Uh, this is Trey Lance's first NFL start. So there is going to be a learning curve, especially when he didn't play last year at North Dakota State. And he came in to college, or, or he, he came into the pros with a far fewer passing attempts than a lot of first-round quarterbacks that come out have been at. That is very, very true, and we're going to see uh, how this situation unfolds. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Okay, next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get into more of Week 5 of NFL action. Okay, I'm next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for 247 Sports. So, Kenny, the Cincinnati Bengals, they lost 22-25 to to the Green Bay Packers in overtime, a couple missed field goals. But oddly, I came away from this game having more respect for the Bengals as a team and finding them more dangerous, more competent, and being like, this team's going to be an issue this year. Did you come away with that opinion as well? I did not, actually. I thought this was a bad loss today for Cincinnati. I thought they really had multiple opportunities to win the game and get to 4-1. and And they're they're at home against the Packers. They weren't expected to win this game. If they could have won this game and picked up a game when no one thought they would have get to 4-1, and then they're a little dangerous. They're back to 3-2. and but I thought more disappointing was I thought the Bengals really had control of this game, uh, especially late to get back into the game and tie it up with a two-point conversion. And combination of a Joe Burrow interception and two missed field goals uh, had ample opportunities, and they ultimately could not get that win. 
Yeah, I, I guess where I would disagree with you on this is the Bengals, they're a young team, right? And I think part of a young team is you're still finding ways to win, but... And I don't think anybody thought they were going to be the, beat the Packers. I for sure didn't. But there was a time where it's 14-22 to 22 in the fourth quarter. They do come back. Joe Burrow leads them down the field. Uh, I think they did present some issues for Green Bay. Now Green Bay won. Uh, but I think that's what Green, Green Bay just handled their business. But I do think this is a stepping stone in terms of them being able to contend for a wild card spot. Like I think, like, right, like I think we would think at this point they're better than Pittsburgh. You know, I mean... I think you would probably still favor the Browns, but like, you know, the Browns didn't put their best foot forward last game. Like, I think they've shown they can compete with these teams now. And the Jamar Chase Joe Burrow connection is real, by the way. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean they still think they're gonna I mean they're not gonna be a pushover team. They're gonna compete and you know, they're gonna they they, they have a really improved defense this year. But Correct. They're improved in the aspect that, you know, I think they're going to be in a lot of these games and they're going to have chances to win. And getting off to a 3-1 start, that's going to keep them in the conversation for the wild card, though. So, yeah, they, they are going to compete for that wild card spot. But if you're looking at the game as a vacuum today, though, I was a little disappointed because it's just so hard to win in this league, especially when you, you know, have multiple opportunities you give away. That's a tough pill to swallow. Oh, I wasn't disappointed at all. Uh, it was uh, they gave the Packers plus uh, two and a half, and uh, they won by three. So I was pretty excited. But uh, in terms of their defense, you know. Their corners, I mean, a couple times, their corners blew up a couple screen plays uh, that the Packers were trying to get done. Uh, you know, their they're solid tackling team, like, their front seven, like, even though uh, Aaron Jones had that one, like, 57-yard run or whatever where he gashed them. Besides that, they kept the Green Bay running game in control for the most of it. Like, you know, the front seven, like, it's no pushover. You're not going to just manhandle them. Uh, so you are right about their defense. It is competent. And we already talked about the Joe Burrow, uh, uh, Jamar Chase connection. And Joe Mixon's obviously nicked up and going through some stuff. Uh, but when he's right, he's one of the better running backs in all football. But I want to go to this with Joe. So Joe went to the hospital for a throat concussion or whatever. Joe had a gruesome hit during that game. He tore his ACL last year. Do you think... Joe is doing a uh, irresponsible job of protecting himself because he does play a reckless style of football, a backyard style of football. Yeah, I didn't see the video on the on the uh, throat contusion, and that's that's something that is very rare. I heard it. haven't heard of that until two players got a throat contusion today. But I will say, running the ball. When he runs the ball, you know, I, I, I think there's a couple of hits that he could go down earlier, just knowing that he, he's so valuable to that team. And, and every uh, one one less hit you take, he be a potential career saver that he's thinking himself, you know, when he's 37, 38 years old. In terms of the Packers, uh, were you? Did you come away thinking more of them or less of them after this game? 
the last year of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and he played. It's it's they played so well at the end of the game, and it, it, it's got kind of like that, you know, that final stand that he's doing in Green Bay, and he played a really well. He played a really good game, but he, he plays a good quarterback position, obviously, uh, but. You know they're 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 one of those I think one of those nine or ten teams in the NFL that they're they're never out of it and it's a full day's work to be able to actually beat them and the rapport that he has with Devontae Adams they had a play today I think it was third and goal at the goal line and they throw that fade yes Joe Burrow and Chase have a great rapport. But Rodgers to Adam, that's almost a free completion. Yeah, I think, and obviously I'm a Bills fan, so I'm biased. Maybe I'll put Allen and Diggs up there, but their connection this year hasn't been that's, uh, like it was last year. But Aaron and Devontae, that's the best connection in all of football. I think you can probably put that up there with the best connections of all time. And I've talked about that on this podcast a couple of times where uh, that's the the breath and the rarefied air we're starting to put these guys. And I even heard, I had somebody come on my podcast, Kenny, and he told me he wouldn't be shocked if wherever Aaron went, Devontae was like, I want to go there too. Yeah, he does have that, uh, I think he's a free agent at the end of this year. And they could tag him if they want, so I don't think the Packers will let him go just for free. But, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's an outstanding it's an outstanding quarterback-receiver combination, especially doing it all these years without really a bonafide number two guy across from him. Yeah, that is so true. It just makes it even more special. So let's go to this, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll get into this because I'll tell you a story. So I'm talking to a friend of mine, Kenny, and he's like, uh, you know, I don't trust the Panthers, and I'm like, they have one of the best 10 rosters in all of football. And he's like, I don't trust Sam Darnold. And I'm like, well, you know, you can win, even if maybe you don't have one of the top 15, top 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. And he's like, no, I don't trust Sam Darnold. And I'm like, if Sam Darnold does not turn the ball over, and he doesn't just give the ball away for free, there's no way the Panthers don't make the playoffs. And then you want to know what Sam Darnold does, Kenny? He proves me wrong. It was bad. He proves me wrong, and he proved my friend right, and I felt stupid. I was like, you know what? He gave it up. He gave it up. I thought Sam Donald was in the streets the way he was giving it. I was, I, I was like, oh, my God. If you are going to turn the football over, here's the one thing you cannot do in this league, and you know this, Kenny. Turnovers are killers. They are killers. You, you can't win that way. Three, three interceptions, you can't do that. And also, if you're throwing three interceptions, I mean, if you're Patrick Mahomes and you're throwing for 400 and you can throw for 500 yards a game and you're throwing three picks, maybe a team can live with that maybe once in a while. But if you're Sam and they're trying to manage the game, if your game, if your game manager is throwing three picks, you got to go. You can't use that. And they're analyzing him after every game, every play to see if he is their quarterback of the future. at the end and he threw it 
through a chronic interception. But, you know, when taking a look at the top quarterbacks, down to probably, I was looking at it the other day, ranking the quarterbacks kind of after the quarter of the year. There's about 20 that are, you know, starters, not second year or younger. And that's just kind of the difference from, like, quarterback 7 to 18 is just limiting games like this. And him and Jameis Winston do have these games where it's hard to overcome that, even with a really good roster, when you have that quarterback play. And it's limiting games like that. And they were in full control of that game. And I really thought at home against a 1-3 team, Panthers could have gone 4-1. They're down to 3-2 and two now. And it's interesting because the three teams that really surprised at the start of the year, Daryl, 3-0, and Carolina, Denver, Las Vegas, NFL hits you fast. All three of those teams have lost two in a row. They're back down to 3-2. and two. Yeah, and when you mentioned Jameis, at least Jameis, Jameis is more of a playmaker, and he can make more big-time plays than Darnold. And Darnold has the physical ability to make, you know, big-time plays as well, but you, you, you just can't do that. And then you look at it. Well, what did the Eagles outscore him in the fourth quarter? Let me get this up right here. It's 15-3. It, to three. Like, that just can't happen. Yeah, especially when you have a bad, uh, uh, you know, you got to take that's 1-3. And they struggle to get in those obvious pass situations. But when you're up against a team that's 1-3, you know, 15-3 in the fourth quarter, you got to get those wins. That was a bad loss today by Carolina. Extremely uh, bad loss to a team that they had no business losing to. So Jalen Hurts, I'll get this on Jalen Hurts. Where do you think Jalen Hurts ranks in terms of running quarterbacks in the NFL? Really? You mean... In terms of quarterbacks who run? In terms of just running in general? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's an above-average runner. He's an above-average runner. Would you say he's second to Lamar? Taysom? Yeah. So you take Taysom too? Yeah. Above average though. I mean, he's a, I mean when, when he's running the ball, if, if you get, you know, man coverage, DBs have their back turned to him. So if he wants to extend a play on the goal line, he's above average as a runner though. Do you think he'd ever be too prideful to accept a Taysom Hill role? Because I think that's probably where it's heading with Jalen. Yeah, I'm not sure if... You know, he's pretty durable, but, you know, Taysom's almost... I mean, he plays tight end a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Taysom's so, a freak. You know, I don't know if, you know, Jalen Hurts switching to kind of like that tight end goal line role. I, I, I think he's more elusive. And he's, 
I think he's better as a passer than Taysom. So he might be at best as kind of like that backup quarterback. No, and that's and that's fair there. So let's go to this. Uh the Dolphins Buccaneers game. So Tom Brady is still haunting the AFC East. Absolutely blowing out the Dolphins. What was this? Like forty something to like seventeen. Like they just shellaxed them. Uh Brady throws like five uh, touchdowns and didn't throw a single pick, I believe. Just in his bag, right? Like Tom Brady at its finest. Bing, 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 bang all the way down the field. And I think it's disappointing because the Dolphins are supposed to have one of the better secondaries in the NFL, and they just get shredded. Like, were you shocked by that? How easy it was? Yeah, I was surprised that, you know, if you were looking before the game, you know, I, I would have been surprised that they scored 45 points. Knowing that what the total came, the total was 48. So the experts thought there was going to be 48 points total, and that Bucks almost got the over/under themselves. And it's not only that, you know, Tom Brady's going to get his, but it was the ease, the ease today of Tom Brady was so surgical. You know, talk about playing the quarterback positions. You got to be a surge, a surgeon. You can't be a butcher. This guy's a surgeon. He's as surgical as he gets, and they're running it back. And I, you know, it's it's it's, it's hard to see a drop off in this game right now at forty four. You know, I know we say this every week, but I think he had he had five touchdowns earlier this year too. So I think this is his second game with five touchdowns. Yeah, I don't throw it to you this way. Uh, I personally don't think Tom Brady's a top, one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, that's just me personally uh, when you put everything into account. But I'll pose this question to you this way. In terms of just purely throwing from the pocket, like if we're talking just seven on seven, if we had all the quarterbacks in the NFL and they did seven on seven, where do you think Brady would rank? No, he'd be right up at the top. Yeah, easily, easily, right? Because I'm thinking like seven on seven, who would do better? Like I'll say Mahomes, right? Maybe, right? Mahomes, Rodgers. Okay. Like, but I'm just saying after that, is it like, you know, like, talking, if we're just talking about just seven on seven, you just go outside and you just throw the football, seven on seven. Like, if there is no pressure and Brady has a clean pocket, he will dice, like, it's over. Yeah, he knows he, you know, I know the average, the average career in the NFL is three years. Do you think in the play of Jacoby Brissett, obviously Jacoby's not a starter. Tua's coming back whenever. I'm not, I don't have too much faith in Tua, and obviously he has injury issues as well. Any chance Brian Flores gets on the phone with Nick Casario and is like, what does it take to get Deshaun? Two weeks ago, that the phones were 
phones were ringing and the Texans were listening. Now, I don't think they're going to get a grade of Deshaun Watson during the season, but the Dolphins do have the assets and I think the need to try to make that move. And I think they're starting to realize that they probably missed with their quarterback situation. It's not good, Daryl. It's not. Justin Herbert. You're looking at Justin Herbert. You passed on Justin Herbert. It's not. Just you know, I'm happy they did. <laughs> Less competition for the Bills. I'm happy they did. Uh, but uh, when you do look at that, it's a very, very bad situation in Miami, and I think they're going to look to rectify that because this is a team that you know. Uh, could, could be in playoff contention, maybe a divisional uh, competition. Everything works well with Deshaun in that situation there. I don't want to get into all that, but uh, the Dolphins. It, it, it's been a disappointing team so far. Oh yeah, clearly. Uh, not a playoff team. It, 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 extremely, but if Deshaun gets in there next year, uh, possibly, you know, things are obviously going to be uh, a little bit different if things clear out legally. So next, let's go to this: uh, the Tennessee Titans versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, this was another game, uh, and you know, I mean, I we I've been making fun of Urban this whole time. I don't want to kick a man when he's down, uh, <laughs> Urban. You, you know what? I do have to say this one thing, Kenny. Do you think Urban ever tried to explain to anybody, one of the players, that maybe the woman who was you know dancing on him was one of the grandkids? Is that why they laughed at him? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to kick a man when he was down. That's not right. Uh, okay, so the Titans defense. Well, let's actually start with this. The Titans, then we can work our way to Urban. Because this is really concerning. Uh, they gave up almost nine yards per carry to James Robinson. Now, in any walk of life in football, if you're giving him nine yards per carry, that's like... <laughs> That's really good if you're like a quarterback. That's not what a running back should be getting. That means you're almost giving up a first down every rush. Uh, we've talked about Tennessee's, you know, pass defense. The pass defense obviously isn't very good, but the rushing defense. Like, if that is going to happen, how can Tennessee be a competent football team? Their whole defense struggles, and you know maybe. In had some decent stretches but this is just a constant you know a, a, a challenge that they're going to have to work through now you could get away with it with Jacksonville and Houston but you know I think the Titans best thing going for them is they're on it may be the worst division in football and so they'd be either a game ahead two games ahead of the Colts depending what happens on Monday Night Football but that's something that's holding the Titans back if they get in the playoffs yeah they'll have a home game but it's really hard to pick them to win a playoff game I think with that defense and Mike Variable is a defensive guy shouldn't he take some of the blame for this like Last year, they were doing it by committee. 
and then they promoted a linebackers coach from within. But yeah, there's there's a lot of blame on the coaching staff not being able to replace a lot of players on that 2019 defense that went to the AFC Championship. They had a lot of a lot of players come out, not being able to replace them. So there's a lot organizationally that's gone wrong on that side of the ball for Tennessee. And and I want to say this too. Derrick Henry, 29 carries. He had like, what, 130 yards? Like, Derrick Henry is so special. And Kenny, like, he's the best player on this football team, but it's not even close. The Tennessee Titans are not a very good football team. Like, Derrick Henry, it, without Derrick Henry, Kenny, does this team have a win? Like, seriously. Yeah, probably not. And, and, and he was so good today. Like, should Derrick Henry get some MVP votes? Like, I'm serious. Like, and I know they're not going to have the record, but when you do talk about most valuable player, like, he has almost the value of a quarterback to this team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many times today, I mean, there was a thing, a fourth down play. They needed two, he got three. They needed three, he got four. But he's, he's, he's been doing it, and he's been carrying a high volume of work. I mean, he had that game, I think he had 35, 38 carries a few weeks ago. You know, he's right at the 30 mark today. Uh, but just carrying that workload and not having a drop-off at all, that's very impressive. And, and the one travesty of this, this is shortening his career span, right? Because you only have so many hits in your body, and... Tennessee shouldn't having shouldn't have to almost give this man thirty carries to beat the Jaguars. That shouldn't have That's to happen. Yeah, like that shouldn't happen. That that shouldn't happen, like at all. And, and Tannehill has seemed like he's kind of regressed, but Derrick Henry, man, shout out to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a certified killer, and I just you know. It's a pleasure to watch him play football. He's special. And he's a guy. He's going to go to Cannon, Kenny. Right? Yeah, it probably will be. Because thinking about when Marshawn Lynch retired, he's kind of been the best back in the NFL since then. For about, you know, three, four years now. Three years. Since the AFC Championship run. Three years. Let him do an AFC champion. I mean, he's ran them to the playoffs. And you don't see that. And right, like Adrian Peterson wasn't always running the Vikings to the playoffs. He is going to run this team to three straight playoff bursts. Like, that's very impressive in today's NFL. So with the Jaguars, let's get to Jacksonville now. I'll try to keep the urban jokes to a minimum. Uh so first let's start with Trevor. I was thinking about this, and Trevor played okay today. I have not seen one game from Trevor this year that would make me think that this is the best quarterback prospect ever. Would you agree with that? Like, there has been nothing from Trevor, and I'm not saying that he's going to be bad, that he's going to be a bust. I'm just saying that there's nothing that I've seen from him that would make me think that, oh, this is the guy that was the unanimous number one overall pick since he was a freshman in college and when Clemson blew out Alabama. With Trevor, right, like, how do they get this passing game going with them more? Like, it's just not, you would just think it'd be better. 
And I feel like he's struggling. Yeah, I mean, I think they got to break down some of their splits to see what he's doing well and then emphasize that more. So it's a play action outside the pocket. You got the spray chart. Is it deep pass? Is intermediate short? I think they should be targeting LaVisca Chanel a lot. Uh, he only had, I mean, the one catch he had, he took for 58 yards. So, so working on some of those things, you know, even getting James Robinson involved in the past game. But it's, 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 it's a situation that, you know, I don't particularly like his playmakers, play caller, or protection. The three keys you need, the three keys you need at quarterback. Do you think people failed on, missed the boat on Trevor Lawrence coming through the draft process? Like, do you think he was overrated? And by missed, I guess the better word is when people say he's the best quarterback prospect ever, or when people use those words. Because that was what people were saying about him. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a rookie, so far, Andrew Luck's been better. Oh, yeah, Andrew Luck. Andrew, and maybe folks out there, I know Andrew Luck's been retired for a few years, but when Andrew Luck was a rookie, he took a very porous Colts team to the playoffs. Now, with... Er- yeah, yeah, they did. They, I think they lost the Ravens that year, and the Ravens ended up going to the Super Bowl. So, there was some controversy at the end of the game, so James Robinson wasn't on the field for a fourth and one. And then James is kind of sulking in the interview, and he's like, I just go with the call. Urban's asked about it. Uh, and he's just like, I don't micromanage who's in the game. Obviously, there's been all this minutia in the air about Urban. Do you think Urban survives? Has the locker room, has Urban lost the locker room? It's hard to say without being in there, but I think he was having a difficult time beginning the season winning over the locker room. You know, having having people with megaphones at practice Telling players to hustle to different drills, to, you know, wanting to go with more tempo in the preseason to get the lead. They're like, Urban, this is the preseason. We don't need to do that. And then, you know, the slow start, getting buy-in culturally, I think it was hard to change the veterans' minds. So it's been hard. And not only have they lost 20 games, but this year, I don't think they won a preseason game. They did. But, I mean, you know, if you count that, they're 1-7 they're this year. So there's not a lot of good happening behind the scenes. And especially when it starts adding up, it's hard to keep that locker room together. Especially when there's not a lot of credibility in the leader. And he had a very... Uh, a very good opportunity to do that because the leader could really shine and bring hope when all is lost, like against Cincinnati. And I thought that was a valuable opportunity that he really missed the boat on. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then come next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. More week five of NFL action. Cut them next up with the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Kenny Sim with us. So, Kenny, the Chicago Bears and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, so much to dive into in this game. We just got done talking about controversy with Urban. Let's start with this. Let's start with the Gruden thing. There have been a lot of theories on this. I was just on, on Twitter, and people were saying the Jack, uh, the Raiders quit because of Urban's emails. And for those of you who don't know, he made a comment about just Morris Smith's lips. The people that said it was racial. Uh, Randy Moss cried on uh, NFL Countdown on ESPN, and, and so did uh, Sam Ponder. So uh, they both cried, uh, actually. Really good TV moment. But do you think that there are any underlying issues that could be a problem for Gruden in that locker room? Yeah, potentially. You know, it's, it's hard enough to win in the NFL players and teams and just how how good the players are and how there's not a lot of pushover teams so just in terms of just the game on the field is hard enough to win it's even more difficult when there's a distraction slash like dysfunction between you know like Urban Meyer and the players but if, if there's a lack of trust between John Gruden players, that's difficult to overcome. And the Raiders got out for a really good start. They've lost two in a row now. So we're going to have to kind of see and monitor that between John Gruden and the players. And if there is a dis- uh Function, or there's a disconnect, or there's a lack of trust and belief that you really have our back and stuff like that. If that happens, I could see it really unraveling for for Las Vegas. Yeah, because you know about the comments, whether people think, you know, it's too insensitive, right, all that, that's a whole other conversation, but I will say this, right, at the end of the day, when you're the head coach, you are a leader of men, these guys do have to trust you and believe in you, and I'll just quite frankly say that it can cause issues, like, uh, John Gruden works with Derek Carr on a regular basis, if, you know, people start thinking, oh, so, John, you're looking at, people are starting to look at Derek in the locker room, like, why are you cool with that dude, you see what he said? And then that puts Derek in an awkward position. Then maybe Derek's kind of like, even though John Gruden's the guy he's working with, that's basically his QB coach. And Derek's kind of like a little, you know, hands off. Like, it can cause a lot of issues in a locker room. That can tear apart a locker room. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So I, I definitely agree with you. That is something to monitor for sure. Why do you think... It seems the John Gruden, Derek Carr, they were in a funk shui the first three games. Why do you think it's stalled off a little bit? Yeah, you know, you got to take a look at the kind of, kind of the tape and stuff. But, I, you know, there's always just 
it just felt like there's always just been something missing with Derek Carr a little bit and getting to the next level. And, you know, he was really slinging it. And today, it was a tough, it was a tough day throwing the ball on a pretty good Chicago defense. But I, I think you've seen, you know, today compared to, you know, the first couple of games against the Ravens and the Steelers, you've seen them, or the defenses, battle off Darren Waller. And I think a big loss is teams have really taken away the deep pass of the Raiders. He was throwing like 400 yards, throwing 61-yard touchdowns to Henry Ruggs. They only had uh, two, two pass plays today over 20 yards. Those are those explosive plays, and we take that away to go with a team that is having a tough time running the football. It's hard to go on those long drives, possession after possession, and matriculate down the field. That's not really what the Raiders want to do. I think they want to get down the field, you know, explosively with Waller and Ruggs and even Brian Edwards. And right now they're having a tough time re-unlocking Bears only rushed it three times with Justin Fields. You think we need to see more runs with Justin? I do want to say this really quickly. In terms of running, he's a better runner than Trey Lance. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, but I think Justin Fields is clearly a better runner than Trey Lance. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an outstanding quarterback coming out of Ohio State. He, he was a you know, really good prospect. And, you know, I thought the gap between number one and two might have been a little bit more closer than people think. But I, 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 I like this game. You know, I, you know still... We'd like to see the Bears try to push it down the field with him a little bit more to Mooney and Robinson. But the big thing with Fields today is he didn't make that big mistake. He had the fumble. He didn't lose the fumble. Played turnover free. He didn't make that big mistake today. And you take a look at Justin Fields. That was his first start on the uh, or, or second start on the road. Third start overall, second on the road. And it was a much better go-around than uh, the Cleveland game. And he did it at home last week. I thought this was maybe his best start to date so far. Now let's go to this, right? Uh, the Denver Broncos losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers 27-19. to Are the Broncos the biggest 3-0 fraud of the Raiders and the Panthers? 
the Jets, the Giants, and the Jags. At that time, when they were three and zero, those three teams were zero and nine. And I, I mean, you know, I think the Giants were probably the best of those three, and they're probably like twenty fifth, twenty sixth best team. So they just didn't have, you know, those quality of wins. You wanted to kind of wait and see with Denver compared to. Los Angeles and uh, Carolina. So Big Ben was 15-25, two touchdowns, I think zero picks. You know, not a great performance, but can Ben sustain this? This is probably his best performance of the year, which is kind of scary. Can Ben sustain this? And if this is the best it gets, can the Steelers make the playoffs? Yeah, I do too. I don't think they will be able to sustain it. If they do, I don't think that's playoff worthy at all. So let's go to this. The Washington football team and the New Orleans Saints. Uh, finally, Sean Payton was willing to have Jameis throw it more than they ran it. Do you think this is a sign that the Jameis-Sean Payton relationship is, you know, moving along, you know, the steady steps? And, you know, Sean's like, even though Jameis did though, I think he, Jameis turned, turned it over a couple times, but that he at least trusts him enough where, you won't completely F up the game now. Yeah, I mean, it's true turnovers from Jameis Winston today. He did that. He, he had that similar, you know, that similar touchdown rate that he had in game one against Green Bay, where today, 15 completions, four of those went for touchdowns. Very similar to that first game. But then he had the two turnovers, the 50% completion, and also, you got to consider, um, you know, Washington had a bad gap at the end of the half. Actually, Jameis Winston threw a Hail Mary at the end of the half for a touchdown. So, you know, got to play better defense. If you take that away, he had a 200-yard passing game and three touchdowns. So, you got to consider that Hail Mary that went today. But... You know, 
30 attempts in turnovers, I still think there needs to be a short leash on Jameis Winston because the more you know he throws and the more he's exposed, I think he's prone to those turnovers. How much do you think Michael Thomas is going to help this offense when he comes back? You know, I think I, he has a... Does he have a lower body injury? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, hopefully he'll be able to you know, come back and separate because he really didn't play a lot last year either. So that's like a year and a half, two, two years that he's really been ineffective. But you get him back... He could separate, or at least be automatic on those slants. It will take some pressure off of their passing game and kind of give them that two-person attack with Michael Thomas and Kamara. Should Washington? Should Ron Rivera make a phone call for Cam Newton because Taylor Heineke, you know, multiple turnovers, and I love Taylor Heineke's guts, but he plays a reckless style of football and. If he's going to do that, and again, he's going to turn the football over. I'm like, turnovers are a killer. Why not just bring in Cam? Like, Cam's better than Taylor Heineke, right? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. It's just, you know, I just go back to last year in a passing league. And, and, and he had nine touchdown passes. So you're kind of getting, like, even same thing um, along with the fact that he hasn't been on a team for a month in terms of like rust it's hard to come in in the middle of the year like that and, and, and quickly get up to speed to start so it's a tough spot for Washington I think if anything they're waiting for Ryan Fitzpatrick this month to come back but still you know, but potentially they could have had Fitzpatrick with all these weapons and they're not getting good quarterback play right now. Or they're getting inconsistent QB play with Heineke. But at least with Cam, you're going to have those QB runs. Yeah, that's true. That's true, but ultimately... You know, moving the ball down the field and throwing it, I'm not sure if that's Cam's strength or he has that. You know, he has multiple throws for game doing that. And, and that's fair. I just don't know how much – I mean, I guess is Tyler Heineke that much better of a passer? I mean, because if we can agree that Cam's superior in the running game, how much better is Taylor than at all? Like at all in the run in the passing game? QB play. It's a tough spot for Washington. And it's also a tough spot, too, that they came in, Daryl, um, their scoring defense was third worst in the NFL. That's a huge concern, too. They're giving up 30 points a game. Yeah, their defense has been disastrous to say the least, this NFL season. So, the Houston Texans, uh, they play the New England Patriots, and narrow loss. Uh, 
I was very disappointed. Uh, I think the spread was like eight and a half, and it ends up only being a three-point win for the Patriots. That was a loss for me, so I was very disappointed. Uh, to start the game, Houston had like a 19-play drive that ended in a touchdown. Then they had a 67-yard touchdown that was like a blown coverage. And those are the first two plays. How concerned are you? And Davis Mills also played great, by the way. He had like three touchdowns, zero picks. How concerned are you that Davis Mills looked so good against this New England defense? Yeah, that was concerning. I mean, he was... He, I mean, he put together a great line today. He, he put together a great line. You know, ultimately, came up with a couple of scoreless possessions in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, the... Uh, the Patriots defense, three touchdowns, 312 yards to Davis Mills. You know, that is a concern. And now there's no Stephon Gilmore. Well, he wasn't playing anyway. But that is a concern. I mean, I mean that that should not have should not have happened today. Yeah, and I'm not concerned with the 25 points. That's fine. But the fact that they got the 22 and Davis Mills played so bad, like, that's the part that's really concerning. And, you know, maybe New England just isn't good. I mean, they lost to Miami to start the season. We see what Miami now is. They've revealed themselves for the frauds they are this NFL season. But it's, to me, it's not looking good. And I'll say this, Kitty. Davis Mills, is this the best game of any of the rookie quarterbacks so far? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. And now he, uh, his quarterback rating is 142. So he probably still is the number one quarterback rating maybe among those five rookies in front of them. Yeah, that is scary, scary, scary. Hey, they could have used Stephon Gilmore out there, uh, but they, they kind of traded him. But let's go on to this next game. So the New York Giants, they play the oh. Dallas Cowboys. So Saquon got injured, ankle injury. Daniel Jones had like a concussion, a hit to the head. He's out. So you're starting, and Daniel Jones wasn't playing that well, passing the football anyway. Even though I do think the Daniel Jones hate is a tad bit overrated. I think he's done better than people think. But I digress. If jo- How long do you think Jones and Saquon are going to be out? And if they're out for an extended time, where does Joe Judge go with this? No, I did not. Daryl, it's a softball. It's a softball. Bruce, swelling. 
Ooh. So, I think the early sign was it was actually a low ankle sprain that swelling is going to need to come down, but I think Saquon might miss one or two games. And then they had Kenny Galladay, hyperextended knee. They had three starters on the offensive line go out. So they they really were beaten down at the end of the game. Yeah, not good for the Giants at all. This could be a rough stretch. So I want to go to the Cowboys quickly. So we always talk about these cute OCs that are going to be head coaches, right? Shanahan was one. McVay was one. Uh, LaFleur was one. Nagy was one. It's, with the balance that Dallas has had, the deep ball passing with Dak has been spectacular. Is Kellamon going to be a head coach next year? Kellen Moore, excuse me, Kellen Moore. Yeah, right, right. I got you. I don't know about head coach, but but he's he's going to be a strong candidate. He's going to get some interviews. Oh, definitely. He's going to be a really strong candidate. Probably going to get multiple interviews. You know, that's uh, that's the one thing when you're not a young offensive, or when 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 a team's head coach. Is not a young offensive mind, they could always be blunt to be a head coach on another team, which is the case with Kellen Bond in Dallas. So he's going to get some looks, but he, he's got an outstanding offense. They're ranked very high. A lot of those advanced metrics and points and yards, we put up 515 yards today. And I really like this combination they have in the backfield. And they have definitely settled on this two-headed monster of Elliott and Power. They're keeping them fresh. They're really talented. It's not as good as up here with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And then Dak Prescott playing really good in this offense, too. He's scheming up some really good plays. He schemed up because he had touchdown. He threw to Zeke Elliott. Little swing pass. And nobody was around him for that. But they've been doing it for several games now. And from a coordinator standpoint, defensive coordinator Dan Quinn has been doing outstanding. Trayvon Diggs with another interception. But but it, this defense has improved light years. And they're making Dallas a legit Super Bowl contender. I told you. Don't be surprised if Dallas is in a championship game. And they can win multiple different ways. Which, again, is something that we've talked about. The more ways you can win, uh, that makes it really... That that bodes well for you when it comes to playoff time. And I also do want to say this about the Kellen Moore thing. There's not many offensive minds, and correct me if I'm wrong, that were former quarterbacks, right? Like, uh, Kingsbury was one. But but how many were former quarterbacks and played it? I mean, Kellen Moore, people forget, Kellen Moore at Boise was spectacular. He was a really, really high-level college quarterback. And he had some time in the NFL, I believe. So, right, like, part of it, too, is it's, you know, he's done it, right? I think that does help him relate to guys getting guys' heads a little bit more. I think maybe a Doug Peterson, right, a, a Frank Wright. Maybe what we saw with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles in Philadelphia. I think that was part of how he got Nick Foles. They got Nick Foles already. Those guys have kind of been through that. They got into it. You know what I mean? I, I think that does mean something. Yeah, 
definitely he's, he's won everywhere he's been. I think he might be the winningest quarterback in college football history. I have to check over the last few years, but I, I know there, there was a time not too long ago where he had the most wins in college football history. He was in, I think he might have been in the low 50s for four years. So let's talk about the game across the pond. Uh, Jets versus Falcons. We finally had a Kyle Pitts sighting. Nine receptions, 119 yards. It's about damn time, right, Kenny? Absolutely. You know, they, they, he, he needed to work a little bit on the precision, the route running, the timing of things. It takes a while for a tight end to do that. But he's been getting the volume. It just hasn't been turning into catches and efficiency. And today he's had... You know, he put together what he's done the first four weeks. Had his by far best game as a pro. Awesome. Nine of 119 with a touchdown. Zach Wilson, and I think he, he made some comments about how the offense needs to pick up. And Zach's not in the best situation. I think they are asking him to do probably maybe the most out of all these rookies. Uh, but uh, zero touchdowns, one interception. How do you think they can help him uh, a little bit more so he's not turning the ball over like he is? So I think, I mean, what they could do a couple of things. I think trying to give a bigger workload to Michael Carter at running back to take a little bit off him and you know, I think that would help. I think getting Zach Wilson on the run more, maybe some early down passing, early down play action, some some deep shots that have very low chance to be intercepted. I think those are the type of things. But he's, he's in a tough spot, like you said. I think the Jets are the youngest team in the NFL, too. I think their average age is 23, uh, but they are the only team in the NFL with the uh, Texans. So, Kenny, do you like the London games? Yes, I do. So, I know a couple people uh, in London who really enjoy those games when the NFL comes. I know Eastern time, it's at 9.30 in the morning. But that's 2.30 local time. There was a fan fest before the game. They got Wembley Stadium and Tottenham Stadium. Those games sell out, too. For a neutral site game, those are 60, 65,000 people. Those sell out. High demand. So much high demand, they've been doing, you know, three or four a year. And it's impressive too because the product that they send out there is not good (laughs) these are are like two of the three worst teams two two of the five Jacksonville's out there every year the games aren't particularly good you know just over the years I think three or four coaches have been fired after the game so the games haven't been that competitive and they're just not good teams but there's a demand there's more games every year there, and those games sell out. Do you think we could ever see, like, a weekly game in London? 
they have a. Uh, this year there's two. There's there's one next week. And there was a stretch, I think, before the pandemic, like in 2018 and 19, they had three games, like all in the month of October. So I think there is a demand to have three or four games. And I think the NFL, in terms of weekly, like like having a game every, every week there, I think they're looking at Germany, I know. Mexico, and there appears to be some early research that there's a big market for pro football in Brazil, for South America. So I think potentially those those international games might expand where you might have you know, four to six in the future. Do you think we'll ever see an NFL team in London? So lastly, let's get to this. Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. You think jo- uh, you think Jared is uh, missing Sean McVay right now? Yeah, just not good.
and they almost and Minnesota's lucky they didn't lose else all hell would have break loose and it would not be good for Mike but Mike Zimmer's not off the hot seat just yet but that's about all we have Kenny thank you for coming on the podcast man I appreciate it good stuff Daryl we'll do it next week and the Bills your Bills got a huge blowout win KC that just went final 38-20. to 20. We went to the kingdom and we took what was ours and won the rematch. Look forward to hearing that review on the barbershop this week and outside the shop. And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the show. Always appreciate it when Kenny can come on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 342nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.